just looking at it with a, with a bunch of papers in his hands, and, and she's thinking, oh man, I'm busted, I'm late, you know, and he's already wondering, and this is what I usually do, and, and so she, she walks right up to him, before she even gets her coat or anything on, she walks up and says, uh, 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 do you need some help with something? And he says, yeah, I don't know how to work this thing. And, and so she grabbed the papers from his hands, and she stuck them in there, and, and it did its thing, and, and then he looked even more troubled. And she says, uh, something else is the matter? He says, yeah, where did the copies come out? It's important to know uh, how things work, isn't it? And what they do, and, and, uh, and that's kind of part of the heart behind this conversation that, we, that we're having right now. And uh, if, you're, if you're not yet a follower of Christ, and the fact that you're here is encouraging because it says, I'm at least willing to check that out. And, and let me just kind of give you a little bit of a, a commercial. As we move into Palm Sunday, Sunday in, a, in a few weeks and then into Easter and then throughout the month of, of April, the focus, and I'm, I'm saying that to us, but the focus is going to be, you know, on, on, and this may be you, on individuals who have said, you know, I've had, I've had, yeah, I've been involved with those church things and, and I've been around Christian, and frankly, I'm not sure I want to be a part of either one of those things from what I've seen. And so the focus is going to be, you know, what, number one is, yeah, you've got some legitimate reasons for feeling that way, and let's talk about those, and let's make sure. And then for us as, as, as True North Church, if you're a part of this, uh, this would be a really good time. If you have someone you know that you, you want to, to uh, understand who God is and, and his love for him, but you don't want them to be preached at. And so you're always kind of waiting like, uh, and, and right now you're saying, you know, we're in this series that's about spiritual gifts. And if I bring my neighbor to this, he's going to say, what are we into? And, and well, this would be the time. That six-week period would be a really good time for you to say to your neighbor or, or a friend or, or a relative, just, you know what? If you don't like churchy stuff, if you kind of have an attitude, you've had some bad run-ins with Christians. If you're not sure that, you know, that you even buy this whole thing, come because we're going to talk about some of that stuff and uh, and we're not going to make them it's not going to be preachy it's going to be really trying to think through some of the legitimate questions that a person who isn't a follower of God has and and why they're legitimate uh, you know uh, and so anyway just want to give you a heads up about that but right now we're in a series that really is kind of like one of those uh uh, you know, family series where, you know, you have those family meetings and you talk about things that you don't always talk about in front of everyone else, uh, unless you have little kids and they bring up everything at any time. Uh, but so, so we're talking about this issue and it's cool though, if you are not a follower of God, here's where it stems from. One of the things that the Bible says that is that, first of all, God, God's heart is for you, that he loves you passionately. In fact, so much that his desire is to spend forever with you. That's really what he would like to do. And, and in the process of that, he wants to adopt you into his family, give you his name, and, and, and wants to plug into your life. Not only, you know, we think of eternity, we think in terms of later on after life, but now. He wants to plug in now. He wants to, in fact, if he, what he does is, is a, there's been a break in the relationship. This is what the Bible teaches us. That break is a result of, of the sin that's in all of us. I mean, all of us. It doesn't matter who you are. But God's, 
said that there's a, a requirement, a, a way to have that sin forgiven, but a, but a payment has to be made, and God stepped into our world and made payment for our, on our behalf. So for us, he offers us a gift. He says, here's my gift to you. I am going to forgive all of your sin, past, present, even future, and, and if you accept that gift of forgiveness, what will happen at the very moment is I'm going to adopt you into my family. We're, we're, we're going to be destined. We're going to spend forever together. And, and then there's some other things that are also gifts that go along with that. He, he, he comes and lives within us. God the Holy Spirit comes and lives within us. He, he, he becomes our counselor, our encourager. Uh, he helps us understand things. It's amazing. I don't know about you, but when, when I first accepted that gift... I had read the Bible before. I grew up in a preacher's home. So, you know, and, and so reading the Bible was something we did pretty regular. Man, I didn't get it. You know, I just, and, but it was an amazing thing. Once I accepted that gift of forgiveness and, and God came and lived within me, suddenly st- things started making sense, started coming together. There's still a lot I don't understand. I'm in a constant learning, but this is all part of that. And then part of it is what we've been talking about during this, this uh, last few weeks is, he, he says he gives every follower, everyone who accepts that gift, a very special gift for them to use, or gifts for them to use in, in their ministry, in their service to each other. And so that's what we've been walking for, through and, and, uh, and thinking through this whole, this whole issue of spiritual gifts. And, and so here's a couple of things we've discovered. Everyone who follow, has decided to follow Christ, and what that means is everyone who's accepted that gift of forgiveness... Is, has a spiritual gift. Uh, all of them come from the Holy, God the Spirit. He get, he's the one that gives them. He decides who gets what. Uh, and, and they're not for private, you know, this is not for my, oh, you know, this is kind of a private thing. No, they're, they're for the opportunity to minister, to serve each other. And while we're doing that, though, we're actually serving him. And that's what he tells us. And so we've been working through some of these things. And we, we talked to this passage a couple of weeks ago because, and here was the, the kind of the background to this is, I'm just, I'm telling you, when you begin to serve and use your spiritual gifts, something happens. You, you, you are able, you accomplish things that are beyond what you thought you could accomplish. And what can happen as a result of that, that is we start kind of doing this, you know. I'm pretty good. I didn't realize I was this good, but man, I am, because look what ha- what's happening. So, so Paul realizing that, and actually coming off of Paul has uh, just, in fact, when he wrote this letter to the Roman church, he was in Corinth. And if you know anything about the Corinth and the Corinthian church, Gifts had done exactly what he's warning about in this, these verses to them. Man, it, what was supposed to be a very good thing had become a very divisive thing in that church. That church was falling apart. They were at each other's throats, and a lot of it had to do, not all of it, but a lot of it had to do with, with the way they were misusing and, and misrepresenting and had wrong thinking about these spiritual gifts. So Paul, a sitting in that city, writing this letter to Roman church, and on his heart is, man, be really careful. This is such a great thing if it's used right. It can be really destructive if, if they're used wrong. And so he writes, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. And we talked through that passage and, and kind of hit on these these three things. Number one, he says, don't, don't overestimate your importance. 
I mean, God, God will use you, if you're using your spiritual gift or gifts, he will use you to accomplish things that are really exciting and unbelievable and more than you ever thought. But don't think you're all that because you're just part of, this, of the group. And we all, all of our gifts together work and, and serve God. But don't underestimate it either because that's what the other part, and I think maybe this is the bigger problem in the churches. A lot of us sit there and think, well, it's just, there's not really anything I can do. I mean, I can't preach. Plus, that guy already has that job, and I don't think he's given it up. And, and, and I'm, you know, I don't like being in front. I don't like teaching. I don't, and we go through this list, and we think, ah, I'm sure I just, there's nothing really I, I can do. And he says, no, nah, don't do that. There is. I've got a place for you. I've got a way that God's saying, I've got a way for you to serve. And, and fra- in fact, you, we need you. We talked about that. That's why he calls us a body, because every, every part, no matter how small, is very important. And then finally, he says, don't limit what you believe you can accomplish based on your limitations. Because here's what we do. It's like, oh, I can't, you know, that's not going to really matter. Yeah, you never know. Remember, a few weeks ago, Andrew Kimball, this, this, this shy guy who, because, because he, he stepped forward and did what God told him to do, even though he's scared to death to do so, all the way up to Billy Graham, we just traced it up to these individuals' lives that were touched starting back with this guy. So, so these are important things. But here, you know, in this discussion, in the next two weeks, we're going to kind of be digging into the nitty-gritty of some of the gifts. Here's the problem, with, and it's always this thing, when it com- with, this way when it comes to God things, is we're, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about the nuts and bolts, which some of you love that stuff. Just like, oh, tell me the details. I want to dig in. And you're going to be kind of disappointed because I'll, I just said we're going to dig in the nuts and bolts and, and you're going to say, well, you didn't give me enough information. I want more details. But here's the problem is, you know, when it comes to things about God, if we start thinking we have it all figured out, we're in a dangerous place. And in fact, that was part of the, the Corinthian church's problem. They thought they had it all figured out, exactly how the gifts were used to be used, which ones were the most important. In fact, they decided that you know, there were certain gifts that everybody should probably try to have. And even though Paul Wright is, is in his letter to him, them said, no, you know, the Holy Spirit decides who has what. And, and so they, had it all, they thought they had it all figured out. I've got to tell you, the more I study this, this area of spiritual gifts, the more I think I understand that there's a lot more to it than, than we're told, than, we're, than we understand. All he's trying to do in, in, in bringing this up, which he does in, in, in 1 Corinthians, in Romans, in Ephesians, and 1 Peter, so it's a big deal, but he didn't bring it up, and, and I'll read you a quote in a moment where he spells it out a little bit. He didn't bring it out so that we can say, okay, now I completely understand. This is how this works. This is what this gift is. This is how it's to be used. This is where it's to be used. Now, it's not that, not that clear. He just is trying to get us to realize spiritual gifts are, are, are an important part of who we are. And, and, then, and, you know, and then the other side of that, the ones you, don't, you who don't like the nuts and bolts, you're thinking, oh, man, those details, that drives me crazy. Just give me the big picture. I want the brush stroke, you know, the broad. Well, I hope I, hope I do a little both of that. I, I hope you don't, I hope you get a sense that somewhere in this message you say, okay, yeah, this is a cool thing. And, and it's worth pursuing, God, as I talk to you. It's worth for me to say, where do you want me to serve? It's worth getting involved somewhere and seeing if that's where I'm supposed to be. But here, here I, MacArthur, you know, I don't know if you know anything about John MacArthur, but he's a student of the Word of God. He, he's, he's one of those guys, if you ever, he, 
uh, I have all his commentaries, and he's, he's one of those guys that likes to get into the nitty-gritty. He, he likes to look at all the nuances and, the, and go into the Greek and go into the Hebrew and the Aramaic and, and just kind of, you know, flush this all out. And, and his commentaries are very detailed. And, and, but here's what he says about spiritual gift. As one who has studied it very carefully, he says, The New Testament does not promise that our gift will come neatly packaged and labeled. Nor does it precisely identify the specific gift of any New Testament believer, including the apostles. Believers in the early church were never classified by gifts. On the contrary, the New Testament makes it clear that God endows his children with many combinations and degrees of, of giftedness. He mixes these gifts much as an artist mixes colors on, on his palette. I couldn't read that far. I've got to get these glasses adjusted, I think to create the exact shade that he desires for a particular part of the painting. So, so that's, and here's a guy who likes details. He's saying, ah, this is kind of like this, you know, the palette of colors, and, and he wants to come up with this shade, and so he mixes all these colors together, and, and that's the way it is with spiritual gifts. So, you know, and that's why I've, I've told you, you know, there's a lot of, there's gift inventories out there, there's tests that you can take, and and I'm not saying that they should be totally thrown out, but be careful, because lots of times I think what those gifts are doing are evaluating our skills, which may be different. God may ask you to do something very different from what you think you're really qualified to do. And, and that's, a, I mean, I share bits and pieces of your testimony. I'm not going to go into all of it, but I mean, basically I teach and preach the word because back in a camp experience, over 40 years ago now, I was voted in by a bunch of kids to teach the Bible for the summer. And I, th- I thought they had lost their gourds because I didn't even like to be in front of people. I'm, I'm one of those. I, I was, you know, I had hired on at that camp to work maintenance. And now I, and, but God knew. So he had to, he had to force me into this position for me to find out, oh, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. And so, so be really careful to, to try where you're, this is exactly what's going on. In fact, you know, uh, the, the, the gift inventories I like are more the ones that kind of play to your passions. What's God given you a heart for? What's kind of been, you're kind of looking at the church and thinking, man, why don't they do that? You know, what, why don't they see that? And, and maybe it's because you're the one that has the gift to accomplish it, to give us direction there. And, and God's saying, hey, that's where you're supposed to jump in. Or sometimes it's just a matter you see something that needs done and you start serving, even though you feel in, incapable or unqualified, and then as you're doing it, all of a sudden you see God doing things through you, and you're like, oh, wow, that's, that's really cool. And that's how we discover our spiritual gifts. So, so anyway, so all that as we move in, this morning we want to dig into to some of these, the gifts. And we, we're working off, remember I showed three lists last week. We're working off this list that's service gifts. It's more involved in, in uh, ministering to each other. And, and I told you, splashes out on the community lots of times. And, and so we're going to walk through in the next two weeks this list. But you'll find even there, it's, a, it's that palette of colors. So... Even this list, you can't grab onto it and say, okay, this is the way it is. Those are, those are the service lists. Uh, well, there's more to it. So if you want to, we're going to start and spend some time in Romans 12. We'll jump around a little bit. But if you have a Bible, uh, you can go there or if it's on your devices, or, or I'll have it up on the slides so, so you can walk, follow along with that as well. But uh, 
That's where we're going to start this morning. Let me read uh, Romans 12, 6 through 8 for, for all of us as we, as we dig into this and as Paul leads us in this direction. Romans 12, starting with verse 6. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him ser- teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do so cheerfully. So we're going to walk down through this list. And we're actually going to use this list. So we're kind of jumping around in this passage. But it's in, So we're going to start with this gift of administration. Now, you, you listen to that. And you know, it's interesting. Uh, I'm not sure if I'd asked you just off the top of your head to say, and before we ever start talking about this, and especially if you've never talked about it before, you, if I would have said to you, what kind of, if, if you were to say, you know, you know, hear that God's given these spiritual gifts to the church, to people, give me a list of what you think. I doubt that administration would have been on many of our lists. I mean, it sounds so, I don't know, it just doesn't, how, how can that be spiritual? But it is. I mean, this is the thing. He's saying this body, he puts these, our, our churches together, and, and we need all kinds of people doing all kinds of things. And over in 1 Corinthians, is actually the word administration doesn't even show up here in Romans 12. I'll come back to that in a moment. It, it shows up in first, the letter he wrote to the Corinthian church, where he says, those with, he talks about those with the gift of administration. And so in this, this gift of, of administration, uh, it's, here's, here, uh, it show, here's where it shows up in Romans 12. And, and see, here's a nuance. In fact, let me, did I skip something here? Let me look. Yeah. Notice in, in the Corinthian passage how he says it. Is it the gift of administration? It's gifts. So all, already, you know, because we, we have on our list, we talk about this gift of administration. And Paul's already saying, you know, wait a minute, this is, this is bigger than that. Under this administration thing are a number of gifts, and I think that's kind of what shows up maybe as he writes the letter to Roman. Maybe leadership falls under that category. So he's saying there's this gift of administration. Uh, part of that, lit, of under that category is leadership, and he says, and that's one of the things that I give to the church because the church needs people that have this sense. And w- w- So what does this mean? Well, the lead actually means to stand before, which makes sense, doesn't it? It's this idea of, of you know, we, we like the leaders who don't sit back and tell us what to do. We like the leaders that are out in front and they say, Here, here's what, where we're heading. And, and so we can follow. That's, and that's that idea. You know, the other guys, the bosses, the ones that say to everybody else what they're supposed to do, you know, that, that doesn't, that's distasteful for us. So that whole word means it's someone who stands before, and, but there are other nuances to the world, word as well. It, it, as it was used over the context of time in the Greek language, it had this, this perspective of fidelity and stability. Uh, in other words, a leader is someone who, who's out front, and he has this ability to stay faithful to the objective, whatever the objective is. In the church, our objectives are defined by the word of God. We want to, we want to look like Christ. We want to represent him well. We want to love each other. And, and so he stays faithful to the objective, or she stays faithful to the objective, moving forward in a stable and organized way. So we start seeing this whole idea why this would be important. You know, a real injustice to the church 
happened uh, a few centuries ago as the church served. Because here's what happened. People started saying, looking at the pastor and saying, you know, this, the pastor is, yeah, he needs to preach the word and teach the world, but the, and teach the word of God, but he also needs to, you know, he needs to have really good administrative skills. I know a lot of pastors. That's not really our strong point. Now, I've been doing this for over 40 years, so I've learned some things from people who have this gift over the years, which helped me out. But, but, you know, lots of times we do that. We, we say, well, the pastor should be the administrator of the church. Well, if that's not his strong suit, what happens is, instead of doing the things that he should be doing, spending time studying the Word of God, preparing for helping us learn it together, he, because he's not good at this, he's spending a lot of time trying to make this happen. And, you know, it's early on. It's interesting. As we were beginning this church and, and the, 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 the group of, of guys who uh, were in those original conversations and their wives and these things are involved. One of the things I said early on is, you know, I've been doing this for a long time, long enough to know what I should be doing and what I shouldn't be doing. And there are certain things that are just not, are not my skill and I shouldn't be doing them. And so God says, the church, I've given individuals who really have this skill set, this, this ability to, to do well in administration. Here's just a couple of, of students of the word who've said, as they have studied it, here's how it flushes out in the church. Uh, Charles Swindoll is one, Dr. Swindoll. He says, this describes one who is calm, clear, thinking, and practical. From this, from this information, we can conclude that one with the gifts of administration has the ability to lead others tactfully and is able to see order amid chaos and bring it to pass has a good dose of common and practical sense. So, so you get, start to get a feel for how this gift and why this gift is so important to the church. He goes on. This describe are, are actually. Let's skip that one. That's that same one. So, so this is an important gift, and it's interesting. As Paul writes to the Roman church, he qualifies it. He says, "This gift should be used if you have the gift of ministration. Do it diligently." And I thought, and that's really he doesn't do that every time. So I kind of said, well, why, why add that kind of description on of how it's supposed to be done? And so I had to investigate. And, and actually, the diligent means careful haste. That was an interesting thing to me. It's like careful haste. Because we don't often think of those things together, do we? You know, you're either fast and probably careless, or you're, you're uh, careful and, and probably slow. And, and yet this word combines those two ideas together. And, and so research, and so what's going on here? Well, here's what's going on. This is an individual. If you have this leadership gift this under this area of administration, this is an individual who observes, sees what needs to be done, lays out a plan for how to do it, and then does it. And, and you know, that's the part that so often, you know, people who don't have the gift of leadership administration, we can often see that there's a problem. And what needs to happen. But that's kind of where it stops lots of times, you know, isn't it? It's kind of like, yeah, somebody needs to do that. And, and, and I get, you know, I'll get those conversations a lot where, you know, we need to do this. And it's like, yeah, we do. Now what, you know? 
But, but that gift, that's why this is so important. Is this an individual, not only does he seize it, see the, and evaluates the situation, but he sees how it can be accomplished, and then he doesn't wait around, or she doesn't wait around. Let's get it done. Let's move forward. And man, do we need people like that in the church. And that's why that's so important. It's, I saw this in action uh, years ago. In fact, I was working on a master's degree, and you know, I, I, uh, one of the classes I took was uh, in, in this, and I was, it's called a master of ministry degree. And so one of the classes I took was, was talking about team building. We, we had that section. And I got to tell you, here, here's an uh, honest, true fact about me. You know, when I hear them say, oh, let's do a team building exercise, I go, oh, no, I hate those things, you know. And that's exactly what that teacher did, said. He said, tomorrow, when you come to class, I want you to wear sneakers because we're going to do a team building and I thought, oh, crumb. And so showed up next day with, with my tennis shoes on, my sneakers. And, and it was really interesting because he divided us into teams. And my team, we, he said, we're going to play volleyball. And I thought, oh, okay, well, this will be all right. I like, I like volleyball. So he provides them teams, puts them on both sides of the net. And on my team, one of, one of the ladies, they actually taken this class. I admire her so much. Her name was Mary. Mary was 85 years old. She, had, she did not own a pair of sneakers. The teacher had talked to her after class to see, and she said, I've never had sneakers in my life. He went and bought her some that night so she'd have some to wear the next day when we played volleyball. She had never, sports were not, I mean, she was, and so then, so he starts laying out, he says, here's how we're going to do this. You have your two teams, and here's the rule. Before you can hit the ball across the net to the other team, every person on your team has to come in contact with the ball. So he said, I'm going to give you five minutes to figure out how to do that. Well, we had Mary, 85 years old, never wore tennis shoes in her life. So we practiced a little bit. So, okay, Mary, have you, have you ever played volleyball? No. Have you ever held a ball? Not that I remember. Well, let's practice. So we would hit the ball to her, and she would go and hit her and fall down. We tried this for, for probably four of the five minutes, and we're trying to figure this out. How are we going to do this? Because everybody has to touch the ball. And, you know, the rest of us, we can kind of do it, but when it gets to Mary, it's going to hit the floor. Then somebody with the administration, some I heard somebody say it. There was a guy in there who had the gift of administration. He says, here's how we do it. She hits it first. So we all got really close to her because we weren't even sure she could do that. But she was able to hit the ball, and one guy dived, and, and, and we, we won. <laughs> but see, that's, that's why this is so, these things are, you know, we kind of think, and, and then if you start, you know, I'd love to do a brainstorming situation because, you know, ev- there's probably not an area of the ministry of this church that doesn't need someone with this gift. This is such a big deal. I mean, it's, it's so much part of the difference between whether we really do well at things and, and don't. And so, but we, we, we hear administration and we're thinking, oh man, this is just kind of boring. I didn't want to talk about this stuff. And God said, no. And God has given some of you this gift. And, and right now you may not even know it, but you know this. You're sitting there and saying, why do they do it that way? Somebody ought to straighten that out. And it's probably because God has given you this gift and he's saying, hey, it's you. Plug in. Help, help out here. Help them figure out what to do next. And so, so these are so big. Let me rush through these next two. Encouragement is the next one. 
that, that is on this list, and so we'll work that in that direction. And it shows up in Romans 12 again as he says, if, if your gift is encouragement. And, you know, this is, this is such a cool thing. Uh, the gift of encouragement is the special ministry to minister words of comfort, encouragement, and counsel in such a way that they feel helped and healed. That's Peter Wagner who wrote a book on spiritual gifts, did a lot of study on it. Swindoll talks about this again. Dr. Swindoll, he says, the act of inspiring others with renewed courage, spirit, or hope. What a special gift. That is, I, I really like this. This is, and some of you have this gift of encouragement. You know, here, here's an illustration in the Bible, in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 4, and we won't turn to it, but in Acts chapter 4, you're introduced to this individual named Joseph. So let me, the context is, this is right in the beginning. The church has just begun. And they're already running into issues. They're already, are already starting to face some persecution. But what has happened is, is you know, the Roman government has been pretty tough. And, and there's a lot of widows. And uh, in, in a lot of them have become a part of this first church. And it's, it, is, it is draining the church financially. They're, they're trying to meet these needs. And, and you'll find, in fact, it comes to a head in a, two chapters later in chapter 6 as, as uh, you know, not done a good job of this. But in the midst of this, there's this one guy named Joseph that the apostles actually renamed based on his spiritual gift. He, they started calling him Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. And if you look at that passage, the context, here's what he does. And, you know, uh, you might have, if you just, if you didn't know his name, you might have thought, well, he has the gift of giving, which we'll talk about next week, but because he sells a bunch of his property and gives the money to the church. And say, so, well, he has the gift of giving, and maybe he did too, but his real gift was encouragement. He did that because he knew the church needed this shot in the arm right there. And, and so he goes out and sells some of his property. And he gives it to the church to encourage that body of believers. And, and so then he goes on, if you go on and, and continue to look at him, later on you, you skip past up to the church. And remember we talked about Paul, this guy who's out to destroy the church until he meets the resurrected Jesus and, and then his life turns around. But, but right before this happened, the very first martyr for Christianity, the guy named Stephen, was murdered, stoned to death by, by a crowd that, that probably Paul organized, held their coats, and said, go at it, kill the guy. He's, a, he's one of those Christians. And, and so naturally, the, the body of Christ, the church is afraid of him. They don't want this guy around. But, they, but in the meantime, he has become a follower of Christ. But I'm not going to be the first one to try it out. You know, he's not moving into my house until I'm sure. And, and so he, they don't, nobody wants having to do with him until Barnabas comes alongside him, the encourager. And not only encourages Paul, because I'm sure Paul is kind of discouraged, and he's like, ah, I've changed, but they don't know it. But, but he moves in, and he introduces them to the church, to the, to the leaders. And based on Barnabas, they start believing him. In fact, it, it, it goes on. That's just, just a consistent part of his life. Uh, a number of years later, Barnabas and Paul traveled together and started churches. And one time they went on a trip, and they took this young guy named John Mark with them. And things got kind of hairy. You know, a little, a little scary. And John Mark got scared and ran home. So a few years later passed by, and this is where this incident takes place. You know, they're getting ready to go on another trip, and Barnabas, the encourager, says, let's bring John Mark. And Paul, who does not have the gift of encouragement, says, not on your life. Last time when we needed him, right when we needed him the most, he deserted us. He ran back home to mommy. We're not taking this guy with us. 
And and if you'll you'll know it, it was a it was a sharp discussion between Paul and Barnabas to the point where they decided to break up and go on on two different set up two different teams because the encourager came along beside John Mark because he needed somebody to say, "Hey, I'm here for you," and I know you can do this. And the day would come where where Paul would admit his 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 mistake, and he would actually send for John Mark because he he would say. I need John Mark with me. But it, it was the encourager who said, I'll stick with you even when you're down, even when it hasn't gone well. And, and so you see, these are so important, these gifts. Faith is the last one we'll, we'll look in closing. And, and, and faith is, you know, it's, it's defined, uh, that ability to lay hold of God's promises for results far beyond the power of man to achieve. I've, I've known a few individuals. I told you a while back about my friend Gary uh, that is with the Lord now, just a trem- just had this faith that just blew me away. He, he would always say, Paul, you just need to put legs on it. And I'm thinking, well, my legs are short and slow because I, I, I can't see that happening. But Gary did. And, and you know, so you have these individuals, they just have this, um, this amazing ability, uh, another definition, the special ability God gave to discern with confidence the will and purpose of God for the future of his work. They, they just have this amazing ability to trust God. You know, one of my heroes of faith, I don't know if you've heard much about George Mueller, but here he's, he's over in England, and he sees all, all these orphan kids. And, man, they're on their own. Nobody's taking care of them. Nobody's looking at them, and, and his heart is breaking for them. And, and he has the gift of faith, spiritual faith. And, and so he decides, I'm going to start orphanages. And he figures out what it's going to cost to do this, and he realizes that he needs $5 million. Now, $5 million back in that day would be equivalent of $250 million today. He says, I need... Lord, I need $5 million if I'm going to take care of all these kids in Bristol, England at the time. And then he opened several others. He says, if I'm going to do this, this is how much it's going to cost. But then God puts on his heart, you know, a lot of people are out asking for money and going around to churches. And he says, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to pray that you send us the money. And that's exactly what happened. That's faith. He's, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, are you nuts? You've got to tell somebody. Nope, not going to do that. God's just going to impress it on the hearts of people, and that's exactly what he did. There, one of the other stories that I love about him was there. He was the, one of the orphanages. He was, he was working at it, and they had totally run out of money. And they were down to the end of their food. They would completely run out of milk, had no milk left. And these are young kids, and he's saying, these kids need milk. They need to have some milk. And so he did, same thing. This is his faith. He says, Lord, you know these kids need milk. Somehow you've got to provide it. About an hour later, some of you know the story. Remember back in those days, the, the delivery trucks, it had, they, were, they, were, they put ice in them to deliver stuff. One of those delivery trucks is a summer day, and it breaks down right in front of the orphanage. And they can't get it going, and so the guy comes up and knocks the door. He says, hey, I got a whole truckload of milk here that's going to spoil. Could you guys use it? <laughs> that's the kind of and and see... Much, so much bigger. That's, that's the way spiritual gifts work. And I don't know what your spiritual gift is. And it may not be, there be, never be clarity where you can say, this is my spiritual gift. But this is what God said he's done for each one of us. He, he has put, given us a spiritual gift. Uh, that's one of his orphanages that he says we need in this body of believers. I, I want to end with this story. I, I thought this is such a cool representation of how this works if it's used right in the church. And this, this happens, a true story, actually. Uh, it takes place 
a guy named Steve Shelton who's a, a, a missionary uh, down in Brazil. And, and he tells this story. And, and as I read it, I thought, ah, that's what the church is supposed to look like. So let's end with this. Steve Sheldon thrust a hand-carved paddle into the dark waters of the Amazon River and pulled. With no kill to st- stabilize the heavy c- canoe, it veered sharply to the right toward the Brazilian jungle. He quickly jabbed the paddle in on the other side, and then the canoe shot off to the left. Ahead, the canoes of the Murapara Indians glided straight up the river, pulling farther away from Steve. The men were eager to return home with the day's harvest of thatch for their roofs. Man, Steve thought to himself, wiping his sweaty brow on the shirt sleeve, at this rate, I'm never going to get home before dark. Suddenly, Steve started gaining on one of the canoes. (laughs) He felt good about his progress until he realized that the man in the canoe had stopped paddling. As he drew closer, he recognized his friend Kagazuga. I don't know if that's right or not, but... Disabled by a fall from a 40-foot Brazilian tree, Kagazuga could barely walk. Early in the day, Steve had helped him carry the thatch to his canoe. Although Kagazuga's back and legs were weak, his arms had become very strong. Hang on to the back of my canoe, he told Steve. I will paddle for both of us. When Steve and Kagazuka caught up to the rest of the group, the men encouraged Steve to paddle his own canoe. Pull straight, they, they called out. Not too deep. Twist your paddle. When Steve got it right, they would whistle out in their language, good, good. When he lagged too far behind, they would tow him until he caught back up and could continue. Up the river, the group traveled, encouraging Steve when he paddled, towing him when he needed it, never suggesting that he was a hindrance. A few river bends before the village, the men hollered out that they were almost home. Then just before rounding the last bend, while they were still out of view of the waiting crowd, two men came along Steve. Side Steve and pushed his canoe up to the front. His was the first to land. We have thatch, the men announced, and Steve paddled his own canoe. They expressed their way of community. Together we have done it. That's what the church is supposed to look like. We lift, we pull, we wait up for each other, we encourage each other. We, we take our spiritual gifts, even and, and it may not even know. We start serving so we can say, Lord, how do you want to use me? But that's the way it works. And then remember, we do everything we can to make our friend, our brother, our sister look really good. That's the way the church is supposed to work. Next week we'll talk about a few more of these gifts. But let's pray today. Father, thank you. <laughs> And, and these detailed discussion, nuts and bolts, uh, I, I pray that it has not been a time of, of uh, boy, I'll be glad when we're done with this series, but instead it's been encouragement to our heart that you've given each person here a sense of, Lord, there's something very valuable that you want me to be doing in the midst of this church body. And, and Lord, I need to know what it is because they need me. And Lord, I pray that if we if we follow that and are obedient and serve each other like you've told us to, that you give us that opportunity to see our gifts do things that we never, ever even imagined we could be a part of. Thanks for that opportunity and for your word. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen.